Well, good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> it's been a tough weekend in a lot of ways uh, for people around this country. <clears throat> it's been especially tough for the President of the United States after what happened in Charlottesville. And, you know, Trump is being pounded by the news media. I was just watching Fox News before I came to get on the show, <clears throat> and I hate Shepard Smith. I think I've said that before, because he's a far leftist, masquerading as a newsman, and all he does is get on there and give his opinion. Yeah, he was, you know, attacking Trump along with everybody else, it seems, for what he said. And there were other ways maybe he could have put it. But the fact of the matter is, what happened in Charlottesville was not just the fault of the so-called alt-right. I'm not even sure what the alt-right is. I've never been sure what it is. I do know what the Ku Klux Klan is. I do know what the neo-Nazis are. And I certainly know who David Duke is, because I have been an enemy of David Duke's since we were both at LSU many years ago. And let me tell you about David Duke. He was in my ROTC classes, very quiet, didn't say much, and then... All of a sudden, he emerged as a leader of the Nazi Party. And I'm talking about, he was serious about this. <clears throat> I was the head of Young Americans for Freedom at LSU and also the state of Louisiana, and ultimately became national secretary. And uh, we went to one of his meetings, which was off campus, uh, just to see what, what was going on, if what, what we heard was true. And we brought a tape recorder in there, and we recorded the meeting. And there was David Duke up front, standing in front of a Nazi flag with his brown shirt on and his leather belt and his SWAT sticker or Nazi Party or American Nazi Party armband. They didn't really use a SWAT sticker all the time. They usually a cross in the same colors as the Nazi SWAT sticker flag. And uh, Duke had gotten to the point at this time where he had a mustache, just like Adolf Hitler's, and he combed his hair the same way Hitler did. And they gave the Nazi salute, and we we just you know watched this thing, and we we're a guest, and then they uh, realized who we were and ordered us to leave, and uh, so we left. And a few weeks later, we were holding the it was going to be a big march in downtown Baton Rouge. Uh, supporting our troops in Vietnam, a victory in Vietnam march, and the American Legion had organized it. And the VFW was there, and there were a lot of people from LSU, and uh, a lot of townspeople were going to be there, and there were going to be other groups. And David Duke showed up and uh, wanted to be in the march. And he wasn't wearing the uniform at this point, but I went up to one of the Legionnaire leaders, and I pointed out who David Duke was and what he stood for. And they immediately banned his group from being in the march because a lot of these people at that point were World War II veterans, and they'd fought the Nazis. They had no use for the Nazis. Well, then, after a while, David Duke just sort of disappeared and uh, came back a few years later. I understand he'd actually been teaching English in Thailand, working for the U.S. State Department. And he comes back a couple of years later and wasn't back at LSU, but all of a sudden I happened to be in law school at this point, and uh, I see 
an advertisement on TV that David Duke is going to be the guest of Phil Donahue on his television talk show. Now, and they said that David Duke was a grand imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Well, that didn't sound right to me because I knew some people around the area who were Klan members. And so I contacted a friend of mine in working for the intelligence state police in Louisiana who kept an eye on, on things like the Klan. And I asked him about David Duke and was he in, indeed a Klan leader. And they said that, no, he was not. The Klan didn't want anything to do with David Duke because he was a Nazi. That uh, he, in fact, formed his own Klan group, which consisted of a total of five members statewide, as far as the state police could tell. So I contacted Phil Donahue's show and told him, I said, you've got somebody coming on who is lying, and this is who he really is. Well, I was ignored. And they went ahead and they built up David Duke as a, a leader of the Ku Klux Klan. And that's what he's still billed as today, the Grand Imperial Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. When, in fact, he's not. He is an almost entirely a media-made personality. And, he I mean, he's been in federal prison for tax evasion. Uh, he's been over in Germany working with neo-Nazis. He's still a Nazi. Now, I wouldn't like him, you know, if he's just a Klan member. The Klan didn't like me back then either because they threatened me a couple of occasions because I was uh, vocally in opposition to uh, racism in any, any form. But this is what what's happening here is David Duke is being talked about as a leader of this huge faction of people. But in fact, he's not much of a leader of anything. And... He is, again, being a media-made personality. Now, Shepard Smith, a while ago, referred to David Duke as, again, the Grand Imperial Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, which, as I said, he is not, and also referred to him as a former Louisiana congressman. Now, that's just a blatant, out-and-out lie. David Duke was never elected to Congress in Louisiana. He ran for virtually everything at one point. He ran for governor. And there was some concern that he might get elected because he pretty well hidden his prior activities at that point. And a uh, radio TV personality named Hodding Carter Jr., who was a liberal, contacted me because there had been a book, book written about David Duke where I was quoted quite a bit. And uh, David Duke hated me for what I said about him in the book. Well, I ended up doing an hour-long show with Hodding Carter Jr. about David Duke and his Nazi past. And that was broadcast all over television on PBS in Louisiana. And David Duke got clobbered in the governor's race. And he's always blamed me for that. But he was not a member of Congress. He ran for Congress and lost. But for Shepard Smith to come on and say, oh, he's a former congressman from Louisiana, is a smear on the people of Louisiana. And it's just a flat-out lie. And this is what disturbs me about what's going on with the news media. The fact is that what Trump said was correct. He probably could have put it differently, but the fact is is that you had the hate groups on the far right. And by the way, the Nazis were, were not a right-wing organization. They were a left-wing organization in, in uh, Germany. Uh, they were opposed to the Communist Party only because they wanted to be the Communist Party. So the roots of Nazism are not 
in conservatism or right wing, but you have the press repeating the old saw about neo-Nazis or right-wingers. Well, neo-Nazis are what just what they said. They call themselves they're neo-Nazis. They want to be Hitler youth, and they are certainly capable of violence. But by the same token, no one in the media has talked about the other groups that were there on the other side. Now, the people that organized this so-called right the Unite the Right demonstration had applied for permits and had worked with the police on security. They had done all that they were supposed to do legally to hold a rally. The people that showed up on the other side had not applied for any permits. They had not worked with the police. They were there to attack the right-wingers. The right-wingers were expecting it, probably wanted it. And these were people from Antifa, the so-called anti-fascist group, which is, in fact, going around the country, shutting down conservative speakers, uh, shutting down college campuses, uh, burning things, setting police cars on fire, uh, looting. And a lot of them are being paid by some people on the far left. And they were bust into this thing. Uh, very few, if any of them, were actually from Charlottesville. They were bust in, and the Black Lives Matter group was there, which is also an advocate of violence, and particularly violence against police. And I think should be labeled a terrorist group, just like Antifa should be labeled a terrorist group. Instead, the only terrorist groups that are labeled in this country are ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and now the neo-Nazis, which is probably true. They are probably perfectly capable of that sort of thing. But the fight that broke out happened because the police allowed this second group to come in. They were armed with bats. They were armed with sticks. They were armed with mace, with pepper spray, and who knows what else. And they wore masks for the most part to hide their identity. Some of them wore helmets. And this fight broke out. It was as much the fault of people on the left as people on the right. It was mostly the fault of the mayor of Charlottesville and the governor of Virginia, who had basically ordered the police to stand down. They did not try to break these two groups up. They did not try to disarm people. They were coming into the area where the so-called rally was being held. Why would you allow people in this type of awful situation to come inside a barricade into the rally area when they're armed. They should have disarmed everybody. Now, there were people there with firearms. There were militia members there who said they weren't there supporting the side. They were just there trying to keep the peace. Virginia has an open carry law, so these people were carrying legally. No one pointed a firearm at anybody. No one discharged a firearm. This was a truly peaceful group. The other two groups were fighting each other and trying to do great bodily injury or even kill each other. And for the most part, the police not only just stood around and watched at the beginning of it, but in one case, the state police actually ran from the area because they hadn't even donned body armor. And they weren't prepared for this, but they should have been. 
So you had utter chaos going on. And according to the news media, this was all one-sided. This was all so-called right-wingers and conservatives. And I don't call the Nazi Party or the Ku Klux Klan conservatives because they don't believe in the Constitution. They don't believe in the Declaration of Independence. They believe in some racist utopia out there. But the police knew what was going to happen, and they let it happen. And then just a day later, there was a Confederate statue torn down in Durham, South North Carolina, and the police just stood there and watched. Now, the news media reported that as a good thing. Suppose somebody had been there, not necessarily a member of the Nazi party, because, you know, one thing Trump said was that there were some good people there that day in Charlottesville that were probably there just to protest the removal of Robert E. Lee's statue. And they were caught up in the middle of this. But the press did not acknowledge that either. So let's talk again more about this after our first break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we were talking about what happened in Charlottesville. And, you know, all this supposedly about a statue, a statue that uh, some people want removed. 
because it's of Robert E. Lee, who's the commanding general of the Confederacy, the Confederate Army during the Civil War. The city of New Orleans has already removed his statue down there, along with a local hero, P.T.T. Beauregard, and I think that all of this is absolutely absurd, and I don't like it. I feel offended by it, and I'll tell you why. You need to know my background. I'm of Irish heritage. My direct ancestor came in with his brother and sister, migrated to the, well, you know, one of the United States, it was to the colonies, uh, back in the late 1750s. And uh, he was, his name was Robert, Robert Connolly. And they came into North Carolina. And they were in North Carolina for a while. We know that because there's a little town in North Carolina named after uh, the other brother and, and the sister, uh, Connolly Springs. But then Robert married an Irish girl who was already living in the colonies, and they ended up moving to Virginia. They had seven sons. When the American Revolution broke out, Robert Connolly and all seven of his sons joined Virginia Cavalry Regiments and fought in the Revolution and all survived, which is amazing in and of itself. After the war was over and America claimed its independence, people who had fought in the Revolution were offered land grants in the Midwest, places like Ohio and Indiana. Well, some of my ancestors, direct ancestors, one of the sons or several of the sons, moved out there to Indiana. Uh, some of them moved to Ohio. Later on, they moved, the family moved to Iowa, and that's where my father was born uh, years later. Uh, my father was born in Iowa and fought during World War II. In the meantime, there had been a Connolly at least one, that had fought in every war that America had ever been involved in, and that includes the Civil War. Now, my dad was in World War II. Many of you know that I've written a best-selling book about his unit called The Mortarman, which you can order through my website at com, or you can order copies, on, or you can get copies, paperback copies on virtually any book website, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and Barnes & Noble you can get as an e-book. But that's been the heritage of my family. But here's the interesting part. In the Civil War, there was somebody else that I'm related to, and he was fighting for the Confederacy. Because during World War II, before he shipped overseas, my dad was stationed at Camp Seibert in Alabama, and he met my mother, who was a young lady from South Alabama. And by the way, it was uh, the doppelganger of uh, Barbara Stanwyck. I mean, those two looked so much alike, it was unbelievable. But he met, met my mother. And after the war was over, they got married. And they got married in Alabama, uh, in the home of my great-great-grandmother, now, she was against that because she didn't want any damn Yankee marrying her great-granddaughter. The reason being is her father, 
who she never knew, never met, had been killed in Gettysburg fighting for the Confederacy. Now, this was an interesting scenario because he was from Livingston, Alabama, which at that point was a Livingston and York areas of Alabama were probably some of the most prominent places in Alabama. Uh, Livingston was the county seat and was on its way to becoming a very, very uh, powerful entity in the economy in Alabama. They had a college, a teacher's college, and 600 men from the county marched off to fight for the Confederacy. One of them was J.T. Kennedy. That was my great-great-great-great-grandfather on my mother's side. He wasn't a slave owner. He was a school teacher. And he owned a little, he and his wife owned a small farm. He was 22 years old. He was a sergeant. He was killed in Gettysburg, by which time he was still a sergeant, but he was a company commander because all the officers had already been killed in his company. 600 men marched off to fight for the Confederacy. I doubt if more than a handful, if that many, own slaves. I don't know if J.T. Kennedy believed in slavery. I doubt it. Or even if he did, I doubt that's what he thought he was fighting for. Because the Civil War was not really about slavery. And here's a, an interesting fact that people are not being taught in schools that you will never heard discussed on the national news media. Because according to them, all of this is all about slavery. And the monuments have to be removed because they're monuments to slavery. The Confederate States of America, when it was formed, adopted a constitution that outlawed slavery. That outlawed the future sale or importation of any anybody into slavery in the southern states. Now, they didn't free the slaves that existed, but they did outlaw the future importation of slaves, which is something that the United States itself had never done. Not on a nationwide basis, certainly not in the Constitution. So the South was already moving away from slavery, and part of this was strictly economic. It was becoming too expensive. They could get people to work on the plantations and pay them a minimum wage, and that would be far less than the cost of maintaining quarters, and providing food and medication, and medicine for the slaves they had. So it was partly economic, and it was partly because people, a lot of people in the South, were opposed to the the idea. So it had been outlawed. So that really was not what the Civil War was about. The Civil War was about states' rights. You had your urban north trying to basically control the rural south and tell the south where they could sell their cotton, what they could raise, what they couldn't raise. And this had been going on for a long time. But J.T. Kennedy was 22 years old. And on the first day of the Battle of Gettysburg, he climbed up on a rail fence to urge his company to charge the Yankees. 
He got hit in the head in the temple by a mini ball. He died instantly. This was in July of 1864. He had previously been home on leave for a short period of time and had gotten his young wife pregnant with their only child. He never knew this. He was killed before her letter to him ever arrived. So he never knew his grandchild, or his own child, I should say. And this occurred in my family, and I honor this man. The irony of all this is that while researching the Battle of Gettysburg and using the letters that I had describing how J.T. Kennedy died, I determined that at the time he was killed, they were actually facing a unit from Iowa that may have had Connollys in it. So probably far-fetched, but it could be that one of my ancestors killed the other one in the Civil War. In any case, my great-great-great-grandmother grew up hating Yankees because they had killed a father she never knew. So she wasn't going to allow my father to marry my mother in her house. Well, my dad did one of the greatest con jobs of all times. He convinced her and my grandmother and my mother that Iowa had been sort of a border state and hadn't really participated in the Civil War. You talk about a con job. Iowa actually sent more troops to the Union Army than any other state in the Union. Iowa sent 75,000 men to the Union Army. But now I'm being told that I'm a racist because I want to honor my ancestor and honor other people who fought in the Civil War on both sides. You have to remember these are all Americans. And they were having a major disagreement. But it was not all about slavery or even mostly about slavery. There were many other factors, mostly economic, that were at play here. And they held each other's views or ideas and respect. I mean, men on both sides respected each other. And there's truly a brother against brother situation, father against son in some cases. And when Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse to Ulysses S. Grant, Grant refused to take his sword, which is traditionally what you, when you surrender, you give your sword to the, to the victor, because they had too much respect for each other. Robert E. Lee was a one of the greatest generals in American history. He led the South to almost victory in the Civil War. The South just didn't have the necessary equipment or the manpower that the North had. And they were finally just worn down. But my father, when his unit was at Gettysburg being trained to go overseas and invade Normandy, they studied the tactics of both generals on both sides at Gettysburg. And they studied Robert E. Lee's tactics at places like Antietam and Fredericksburg 
in Chancellorville because he was a brilliant general and he was respected by both sides. And if you recall, on the night that Washington was notified that Lee had surrendered, a U.S. Army man came to play at the White House, and the president, who was on the balcony, Abe Lincoln, asked him to play Dixie because he wanted to reunify the country. Let's take our second break now. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You know, it took a long time for the nation to heal after the Civil War. Uh, you had your carpetbaggers in the South and your scallywags that basically looted Southern plantations and put tried to put the Southern people in bondage. And interestingly enough, they pretty much ignored the freed slaves. I mean, all these, these slaves had been freed, and uh, by the surrender of the South, so they had no place to go. They had no jobs they could get for the most part. The plantations that they had lived on, been raised on, a lot of them had been burned to the ground or were bought by people that didn't want to hire the slaves to work. So out of about three million slaves that were freed following the Civil War, one million, it's estimated, starved to death because there was nobody to take care of them, no place for them to work. The South was, the economy was in tatters. So for a long time, there were a lot of people in the South who were bitter about the Civil War. And the city of Vicksburg, which I have been to on numerous occasions, and by the way, there's a William Connolly buried at uh, Vicksburg, and he is a apparently a long-lost ancestor of mine, 
he was fighting for an Ohio regiment, so he was a Union soldier killed at Vicksburg. I've seen his grave. But Vicksburg refused for years to celebrate July 4th. Why? Because on July 4th, 1863, the same day as the Battle of Gettysburg ended, Vicksburg surrendered after a long siege. But the the people have healed for the most part. But now all of a sudden, I'm told I have to hate my ancestors. I'm told I have to hate the Confederacy. I'm told I have to hate Robert E. Lee. And if I don't, I'm a racist. Well, there's a monument in Livingston, Alabama, where my great-great-great-great-grandfather's regiment was formed and came from. A monument to the men in that regiment. There's 600 names on it, a little more than 600. I've seen that monument. It honors them for their service to the Confederacy. Most of the names that are on that monument are names of men that never returned. The towns of Livingston and York and the county never fully recovered from the Civil War. 600 men marched off in that regiment. 12 came home. Virtually the entire male population of that county was wiped out. I don't want that monument taken down. It's not a monument to slavery. It's a monument to brave men who fought for what they believed in. And I resent being told by the left-wing media or by the liberals in Congress or even by some of the Republicans in Congress that the monuments have to come down. They are part of our heritage. Yes, a dark part of our heritage. Anytime you have a civil war in a country, it's a dark part of your heritage. But it's still part of our heritage. And for the winners to now say that the losers have to be forgotten and the reasons for the Civil War, especially the true reasons, have to be ignored, that's just wrong. That's telling me that I can't honor my ancestors who fought for the Confederacy. I can only honor my ancestors who fought for the Union. I don't accept that. The city of Dallas is talking about removing monuments. Lexington, Kentucky is talking about removing monuments. If you want to see what the Civil War was really like, and the people who fought for it were really like, watch the movie Gettysburg. Now, I'm not a big Turner fan, but he did a remarkable job with that movie. And the sequel to it, Gods and Generals, which should be the prequel to it. But Gettysburg shows how that battle took place, and it shows how the people who fought on both sides were brave and fighting for their country, fighting for what they believed in. J.T. Kennedy wasn't fighting for slavery. He was fighting for Alabama. Because back in those days, the states were members of the United States, but they did not feel like they should be subordinate to the United States. They felt like what the Constitution said was what it meant. 
and that was the states had rights and powers that could not be trampled on by the federal government. But now we're told the monuments have to come down. And we're told that if we don't take the monuments down, there's going to be violence. And that violence is going to be directed at anybody who disagrees with the liberals, with the leftists. And they've shown they're perfectly capable of it. Are we heading towards another civil war? I hope not. But I, for one, am not going to stand by and let somebody come on my property and say that if I want to fly the Confederate flag, they're going to tear it down. For that matter, if I want to fly the American flag, they're going to tear it down. There are a lot of people out there who are not far right, who are going to stand up for this country and fight to protect our freedoms. Because that's what this is all about. They're trying to take away our freedom of speech. They're trying to take away our freedom of expression. One liberal member of Congress recently referred to everyone in the NRA as terrorists, domestic terrorists. Millions of people who've never committed a crime and are being labeled domestic terrorists because they believe in the Second Amendment to the Constitution. So they want to destroy the Second Amendment. They want to destroy the First Amendment. They're already pretty much taking away our freedom of religion to a great extent. They want to take away our freedom of speech. They want to take away our freedom of the press, and I consider myself part of that, part of the press because of my blog and because of this show and other shows that I do. And I am being censored now by Amazon. I'm being censored by Google. I'm being censored by YouTube. I'm not allowed free speech. When I try to send out emails to people that subscribe to my blog, letting them know I'm posting a new article. And by the way, again, I apologize for not posting much of anything in the last four months, but we're still recovering from that major tornado that tore into to our place back on April 29th and destroyed most much of what we had. And I'm trying to get back to some, some writing now. But when I send out the notices, most of them aren't received anymore. And if I post on Facebook, I used to post my articles on Facebook. If I post on Facebook, most people don't receive the notices that I posted. Or it doesn't come up on their Facebook page because I'm being censored. Now, when I posted stuff about the tornado and everything on Facebook... That wasn't censored, and we heard from hundreds of people out there, friends and, and all well-wishers. And I used to hear from that many people when I post one of my articles. Now, when I post an article, I might hear from three, four people, maybe ten at the most. And when I post a notice on Facebook saying, are you, are you getting, let me know if you're getting notices or getting the posts that I put when I put up an article. And my articles are on the Constitution. My articles are about freedom. But what I'm hearing back is for most people, no, they don't. Even though they are fans of mine and 
they get my other post on Facebook. They don't get the ones where I defend the United States and defend our freedoms. That's the way the game is being played. And that's why we're having to fight these days. And we're going to have to fight it everywhere. What happened in Charlottesville was horrible. And the guy that drove that car into that crowd, he he deserves a death penalty. I don't think they have that in Virginia anymore, but they do have it. The federal government's got the death penalty for certain crimes. He was, in fact, a domestic terrorist. If that's what he, if he deliberately drove that car in that crowd. Now, if you actually look at the, the videos, his car was being attacked by Antifa people prior to him accelerating into the crowd. So it's possible, and, you know, someone's innocent until proven guilty, it's possible that he just panicked. But what was he doing heading into that crowd with a car in the first place or heading towards that crowd? So I don't think this was an accident. I know that's probably what his defense team is going to believe or contend. I don't believe it was an accident. And if it's proven it was not an accident, then he needs to go to jail for a long time or put to, be put to death. I'm not going to defend him. I'm not going to defend David Tuke. I'm not going to defend some of the other far... And again, they're not on the right. Uh, fascist or Nazi leaders that were out there, or Ku Klux Klan members for that matter. But I'm also not going to defend Antifa. And I'm not going to forget that they were there and what they did and what they can continue to try to do and what they are going to do in the future. Like I said, I hope we're not going to head for a civil war. But we could be heading in the direction of what I've talked about in my book, my novel, Rag, which, by the way, the left is still attacking because they hate it. <clears throat> they continue to call me a right-wing gun nut, a right-winger and a gun nut. And when they do that, they post that on Amazon, I go, okay, thank you, that's a compliment. But the Rag is basically about the United States falling under dictatorship, People losing their freedom of speech, their right to keep and bear arms, their freedom of religion, and being basically put into, in a lot of cases, concentration camps or re-education camps so they can be trained in political, you know, propaganda can be dumped on them. And it's available, again, through my website at www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. J-I-G-S-Y dot com. Or again, it's available in Barnes & Noble as an e-book, a hard cup, hardcover, or paperback. It's available on Amazon as a paperback, but they took it down on all my books as uh, e-books. Allegedly, because the other Michael Connolly, who's a mystery writer, and by the way, I was writing articles before he was even born, or while he was still in diapers, they said, I'm violating his copyright to his name. Well, you don't have a copyright to a name. So this was an excuse that Amazon knows is not true. They just were taking heat from the left because of my novel. And so I encourage people to go out and buy it. 
let's take our final break now. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Let's talk in this final segment a little bit more about the news media and the incredible bias out there. I mean, they are hammering Donald Trump for everything he says and for everything he does. And they are hammering any conservative. They are not reporting the news fairly. And one of the problems I'm having is that the stuff they're not reporting is sometimes extremely important. Late last week, there was a lot of concern among people that we might be heading towards a nuclear war. Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator, brutal dictator, was threatening to fire missiles in the area of Guam. The island of Guam is an American territory about 2,000 miles from North Korea, so it could easily be reached by his mid-range missiles. He initially was saying he was going to fire at Guam because of the two American military bases on the island, but then he backed off and said, well, I'm just going to fire around them. This is being blamed by the news media on Donald Trump. Donald Trump had basically told the North Korean dictator that if you keep building up your nuclear weapons and you keep testing ballistic missiles, we're going to at some point have to stop you. 
and it may be done militarily. And if you dare to fire or attack any American territory, we're going to come at you hard with fire and fury, as he described it. And the news media, liberal media, went crazy. Oh, no, he's being provocateur. He's going to provoke this guy, this poor North Korean dictator, and doing something he didn't want to do. This is a dare. One one reporter actually asked Trump if he was daring Kim Jong-un to do something. And then, supposedly, the dictator received on his desk a plan for attacking Guam and abruptly backed down. Now, would he have backed down under if Obama had been president? No, probably not. Why? Because Obama would have done nothing. And he would have, Kim Jong-un would know that Obama wasn't going to do anything. Obama was very fond of drawing red lines and saying, if you cross this red line, we're going to do such and such to you. And then the Syrians or the Lebanese or Hezbollah would cross the red line and nothing would happen. So Kim Jong-un was not afraid of Obama and really wasn't afraid of George Bush. George W. Bush had, had allowed him to continue with his development of nuclear weapons, as had Bill Clinton before him. So here we have a president of the United States who says, you do this and we're going to turn your country into a parking lot. And Kim Jong-un, is the one thing he is that's most important to him is maintaining his regime, maintaining his power in North Korea. So he backed down. Now, this was a major news story. This was a major victory. It appears to be a very, very major victory for Donald Trump and for the United States. We call somebody's bluff, and they back down. The news media has not even mentioned it for the most part, except for Fox News. The liberal news media has totally ignored the story. They certainly haven't lavished praise on Donald Trump because it was his tough talk that caused this guy to back off. They're certainly not going to admit that because they hate Donald Trump. And they're going to do everything they can to destroy Donald Trump. And that clearly includes lying. And there's been so much of that going on. I mean, I pretty much decided that if I decide to change careers, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, be, I'm going to become an anonymous source to the news media. Because anytime you read articles about Donald Trump, about members of his family, about uh, leaders in the Republican Party that are critical, all the criticism, all the facts supposedly are coming from unnamed sources. Unnamed sources within the government or unnamed sources that used to be in the government or unnamed sources in the White House, etc. Now, there are leaks coming out of the White House. We know that. They're very dangerous leaks to our national security, but the national news media doesn't care. They haven't cared about our national security in years. But the fact is, it's unnamed sources. You know, all I got to do is tell the news media I'm an unnamed source 
you tell me what you want, and you can. I will write it out, and you can quote quote me on it as an unnamed source, a former government employee, which is true. I used to be in the United States Army Reserve, so I was technically a government employee. And I will also quote to you from documents which don't exist, they've never existed, and you won't be able to see, but you don't care about that either. And then you can publish more and more stories critical of President Trump and all the people out there you hate. And the people you hate are those of us who believe in the Constitution of the United States, believe in free speech. And by the way, for you Democrats out there that that voted for Donald Trump, you're basically being told that you're no longer welcome in the Democratic Party. Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts who uh, lied about being Native American heritage, having Native American heritage in order to get scholarship money when she went to college, but was elected anyway. And uh, she made a speech the other night that basically said that if you don't believe in abortion, if you don't believe in a single-payer system of medicine, i.e. socialized medicine, if you don't believe in all the things that she and Bernie Sanders believe in, which is basically a totalitarian government where we would have no free speech, no freedom of the press, no freedom of religion, certainly not a right to keep and bear arms. If you don't believe in all that, you're not welcome in the Democratic Party anymore. So think about that. You're not welcome in the Democratic Party. So it's not the Democratic Party anymore. It's a socialist party. It's a communist party. How about a little truth and labeling here? So this is what we're facing in this country right now, ladies and gentlemen. And I encourage you to get your friends and neighbors to listen to this show because we talk about this every week, and I have some guests on that talk about things that are of great interest, I think, to to my listeners. But we talk about things of importance. And you can go to my blog at www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com, and you can read the blog articles that I post, and you can subscribe to the blog. And I'll let you know when I post new articles. And like I said, I hope to get back to them. But we're just really just now starting to get back on our feet after that tornado, which basically tore our place apart. But we were lucky. We still had a house standing after the tornado. We lost two vehicles, and we lost my garage with all my equipment. We lost our well. We lost everything on our patio. We lost about 60 trees. But the house, well, we had to replace the roof because so many shingles were torn off. Uh, the only real damage to the house was a tree, beautiful pine tree that we had in the front yard, which was torn in half, and the top of it was deposited through the roof of the house and to my home office. So you can understand, since we spent 39 days in a motel and have been out here working on this property every day for the last almost four months, you can understand why I haven't had time to do a lot of writing. But I want to get back to it. And you can go to my blog, my website, and you can also order books through there. You can get copies of the Mortimer, about my dad's unit during World War II. 
And believe me, we could use the help financially right now because insurance is covering a lot of our loss. But we have about a hundred. We've spent about a hundred thousand dollars so far uh, on repairs and replacement. And insurance is not covering all of that by any stretch of the imagination. But you can go kind of buy copies of my books or copies of my booklet on the Constitution, and encourage people to listen to the show because uh, we got. I have a lot to talk about. I think in the next few weeks and months, and so we'll be covering a lot of ground. Thank you again for tuning in today. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you for listening. It's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.